Good morning, everyone. How are you? Um, yeah, it was 72 when I left uh, California. And I asked my wife, I'm going to Michigan, should I pack my bathing suit? And uh, yeah, I was laying out by the pool earlier this morning. No, man, it is cold here, isn't it? No, your pastor's like, what? This is awesome. It's only 13. I'm like, help me, Jesus. Uh, so honored to be uh, here. I think this is my third or fourth year in a row participating with you uh, in this time of prayer and fasting and extended meetings. And uh, it is uh, of great joy and honor and privilege to uh, participate in this awesome, awesome, awesome church in an awesome city with a couple awesome pastors. Amen. You guys appreciate your pastor and his wife. I'm so thankful for people who don't quit. Amen. After three decades of pastoring people, uh, how many of you know that there's opportunities to quit every time, but if you just keep going, there's always great stuff on the other side of your faith. Amen. Um, this morning, I want to uh, begin what I felt really, and I've been praying about this for about a month, about what to talk to you about. I'm very excited, and I'm, I'm not going to finish today. Uh, that's why I need three services with you guys to get it all said. Um, but I will stop. So, yeah, I never finish. I just stop. So um, what I want to do is to... Uh, kind of begin to reveal what I believe are obstacles to answered prayer. And when we step into uh, a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting, the reason for that is for results. It's not just a, uh, a religious exercise that was born out of religious rigidity, but rather a, a relational unction or, or, or motivation by the Holy Spirit to say, hey, let's do some things different as we step into the new year so that we can see things different in the new year. And all of us have things, even people in the balcony have things that uh, we don't want in our lives uh, that, that came from 2017 and we want them out of there in 2018. And the, and more than that, we want to see elevation and blessing. We want to see our prodigals come home. Amen. We want to see our businesses break through. We want to see our bodies healed. We want to see our finances elevate. We want to, uh, experience the Holy Spirit in a new and living way. And, and, uh, we want to see God move in our lives, maybe like never before. And, and, and why not, why not now? And why not us? And why not here? Amen, somebody. And so we are setting the conditions in these next 21 days. And, uh, and I'm privileged to help launch that, uh, trajectory so for our destiny so we can see God do and and materialize and manifest in our lives what we're dreaming about. Amen, somebody. So, so we cannot operate in effective prayer if we don't understand four things. One, we have to understand, and not just uh, uh, from a religious standpoint, but from a, re a revelational standpoint, we must understand, believe, and receive that we are deeply loved by God. 
You are not going to have answered prayer in your life, and I'll get more into this tonight, but uh, we're not going to have answered prayer in our life if we think God is mad at us instead of mad about us. Come on, somebody. The gospel is not about pointing out to people that they're lost. It's about pointing out to people that they're loved. So you have to understand that love, when it goes into motion, has a dynamic that covers sin, that casts out fear, and maybe the greatest thing is it marks you as a disciple or as a child of God. So number one, we cannot pray if we feel like God is mad at us with effectiveness and efficiency. Number two, you have got to understand, believe it, receive it, and have it that you are highly favored by God. You're not just favored, you're highly favored. And if you come from California, you're not just favored, but you're flavored. Come on, somebody. So, so there's, there's this reality that God's blessings, that God wants to have his blessings profusely abound in your life. That you're surrounded with God's favor as with a shield. You just have to believe and receive and understand that, that there is favor as soon as you step into Jesus Christ in your life. The favor of God is activated in your disposition. So every single person here, you're like, hey, man, I've, I've made mistakes. I know, but Jesus hasn't. And last time I checked, we are God's idea. God isn't our idea. And so when God decided, let me just say it like this, and this is mind-boggling, that you are actually God's logic. When God surveyed the landscape of eternity, he came up with you and me. We make sense to him. It is by his doing that we're born again. He called us, chose us. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. We make sense to God. Now, I might not make sense to my wife, and she for sure don't make no sense to me. But as long as I have dollars, it don't have to make sense with her. Come on, somebody. Anyway, as long as there's a, never mind, never mind. I'll get letters. So, it's happened before. So, anyway. So you make sense to God. His favor in your life makes sense to him. That's what he desired. Let's stop trying to qualify it by our behaviors and let's activate it by our believing. Amen, somebody? Number three, you have to understand that you're richly blessed. We cannot get our prayers answered if we're asking God for stuff that's already ours. You're already blessed to be a blessing. You're already forgiven. You're already a citizen in heaven. You're already, uh, all the promises of God are already yes and amen unto you. But it, it, it's not just, it's not just you having Christ in you. It's you understanding that you're in him. And however God is treating Jesus, that's how he's treating you. However God is regarding Jesus, that's how he's regarding you. As he is, so also are we in this world. Is Jesus depressed? Is Jesus broke? Is Jesus sick? Is Jesus tripping out? Is Jesus having anxiety? And then why are we? Because as he is, not when we get to heaven, but as he is, so also we is. In this world, come on somebody. 
The problem is that we don't understand our disposition that was grace purchased that puts us in the place of being richly blessed. You're already richly blessed. Instead of being highly stressed, be richly blessed. Amen, somebody? And then the last thing that you have to understand to get your prayers answered and and to understand this, because God already said yes. We got to get out of the way. God, we're not trying to overcome the disposition of a reluctant God in giving us our prayer, uh, our prayer request. He knows what we need before we ask. He just wants to be involved. And we've got to stop coming to God without, with the elimination of grace, attaching our belief to the law of performance, thinking that your goodness activates God goods, God's goodness. How many of you know that God is good all the time. Why? Because he's God all the time. He doesn't stop being good because you were bad. I can't get no help from this side. How about you over here? <laughs> Just because you were bad doesn't make God not good anymore. And if he's good, he can only do good. He only wants good. God is love. He doesn't stop being love because you didn't love perfectly. In fact, his perfect love casts out your imperfect love. It eliminates the ramifications. Of, okay, so, so then the last thing is, uh, because I got to preach my message. I'm not sure what I'm doing up here right now, but I'll get to it in a minute. The last thing is you have to understand that you're a child of God. That you're a son and daughter of God. You have to understand that you are not just deeply loved. You're not just highly favored. You're not just richly blessed. You are a child of God. Look, you didn't do anything except get born into the right family. Amen, somebody? And your heavenly father never, ever runs out. The issue is not with his supply. The issue is with our demand. Not putting a demand on God, like you better do this. Not that, but just putting like a demand on it with our believing, with our faith, with understanding that we are his children. As many as received him, to them he gave the rights of the children of God as many as believed. Look at me, look at me. You have a right to have your prayers answered. Why? Not because of you, but you received him. Does Jesus have a right to have his prayers? Why are we experts on unanswered prayer? Jesus never knew anything of unanswered prayer. And as many as received him, To them, Jesus gave the power to be just like him in God's consideration of us. So why are we struggling with getting our prayers answered? It's because we don't understand who we are and whose we are. Somebody say amen. So if you can get that and operate for the next 21 days from the place of that that reality. So let me just say one more thing and then I'll start preaching. Okay, (laughs) sorry. Uh, it's these blue shoes that I wore in Pastor Dwayne's honor. He, he said, do they make blue shoes? He goes, I only thought they made brown and black shoes. And uh, he said, hey, don't wear blue shoes at my church. So I brought them in his honor. So anyway. <laughs> and they're distressed, crushed velvet blue shoes, just, just so you know. And they're perfect for the snow. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So we so often 
forget that happy are the people whose sins are forgiven. We forget that happy are the people whose God is their Lord. So I've started this new practice that I don't get out of bed until I get happy. Until I get happy. And sometimes I got to lay in that bed until noon. Come on, somebody, to get happy. <laughs> you know, you just, I'm not getting out of bed until I'm happy. Because happiness, when I'm happy, it makes everything in my world work. Now, how many of y'all have kids? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of y'all have grandkids? Raise your hand. Okay, let me pray for you right now. This, let's spend the next 21 days praying about that. Okay, so, so I... When you, set your, when you set your thermostat at happy, sometimes uh, it's challenged during the day, right? Amen? Is your happy challenge sometimes? And most of the challenge comes from our offspring or the offspring of our offspring. Amen. If it's just me and Daniil, I'm great, man. I'm thrilling and chilling like a villain. It's all good up in here. I'm, I'm happy. Let's do, let's go to a movie. Let's go to dinner. Let's hold hands. Let's walk on the beach. Sort of like what you guys do here. And let, let's ride bikes. Let's go, let's go dream. Let's go look at houses. Let's just go be who we are. And then you introduce your kids and then your grandkids and messes everything up. Okay. So anyway, do you guys have these things called Chuck E. Cheese out here? You have them out there. It costs 20 bucks and the kid eats a lousy pizza and plays video games for two hours and it costs 20 bucks, right? And you just sit there and, and everybody has the Chuck E. Cheese face that's an adult. We just sit there like, what are we doing here? But they're having fun, right? Okay. So Daniil comes up with this great idea the other day. Talk about happiness. This wonderful, brilliant idea. And I am so dumb that I went along with it. Okay. So she wakes up one day in the morning and she says, um, hey, Steve, I have an idea. Let's take the grandkids to Disneyland. Okay, let me tell you something about Disneyland. It is not fun for the whole family. It's fun. You give the mouse all your money. Your feet hurt. Your back hurt. You, you waited in line for 45 minutes to throw up. Come on, somebody. It's just, it's. I'm 60 years old. I cannot be jerked around on Thunder Mountain and Space Mountain and the monorail mountain or whatever else they, uh, uh, so, so I said, all right, let's go. So we drive 40 minutes to Disneyland. We wait 30 minutes to park, spend $20 to park after we waited 30 minutes to park. We walk 30 minutes into the park. It costs $400 to go. Before you get to Main Street, you out $400. Come on, $420 with parking. And I got two grandkids, seven and four in the back. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Why did I just do this? And then we walk in. They want to go on some ride, 45 minutes in line, 45 minutes in line. We get to the front of the line and the seven-year-old said, starts crying. And I said, what is wrong with you? He said, I want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I spent four hundred dollars. Happy is the man whose God is their Lord. I wanted to spank him, spank Daniil, kill myself, and then kill everybody else. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. For who? Not me. All right. True story. I feel better. I think I purged my soul of 
some internal conflict. So, so many of us, so much of the time, struggle with rejection because we don't understand that we're deeply loved, highly favored, richly blessed, children of God, approved of God. And so when we get into a mindset, I'm talking about answered prayer, when we get into a mindset of struggling with rejection or maybe even better said, the fear of rejection, some of us imagine that we will be rejected even when there are no indicators that rejection is in the forecast. God's not going to come through. People are not going to come through. Life is going to be hard. See, fear many times will begin to shape our self-concept and introduce internal conversations that line up with lies. You cannot get your prayers answered if you're lying to yourself about yourself. And this is what happens in so many of our lives when we, when we step out into a 21-day fast. It's not because something's wrong with you. It's because something's right with you. Amen? So let me keep going. And so when we attach our belief to those lies in the internal conversation, we will make decisions that are not aligned with our Christ-purchased, grace-purchased identity and destiny. So this practice influences our prayer life. So when we align ourselves and our belief with the results of Adam's disobedience, Feelings of rejection are impossible to avoid. But when we truly believe the measure of Christ's gift of righteousness, how many of you know that God doesn't measure your righteousness by your righteousness? He measures your righteousness by Christ's gift of righteousness. He doesn't even measure you by you. God made him who knew no sin to be your sin that you might be the righteousness of God in him. Not just, you, not just him in you, but you in him. Amen? That's the two-edged sword. The two-edged sword, which is the word of God that became flesh. Jesus is God's personification of God's conversation about you. And it's not one side of the sword is Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. But the other side of the sword is you in Christ. That you're dead and, and, and that your life is hidden with God in Christ. You're in Christ. When God looks at you, he only sees what Jesus did for you. He doesn't see what you did for him. It's all about him and not about you. Our Christianity cannot be efficient if our Christianity is all about our mistakes, our forgiveness. It's about his righteousness and receiving the gift of righteousness and measuring your life the way God measures your life according to what Christ has done, not according to what you have done. Amen, somebody? Now let me keep going. That's, that's why they call it good news. If my righteousness was dependent upon my perfect performance, it's over, baby. It's over. Okay. So thank you. So when we truly believe, truly believe the measure of Christ's gift of righteousness, align ourselves with that acceptance, joy, peace, happiness will be the result. Approval addiction is the result of a child of God operating from mistaken identity. Mistaken identity holds up favor. It holds up your true who you actually are in Christ and Christ in you. It hinders 
prayers being answered because there are so many layers that you're working through to finally get to the place of faith. Listen, those who come to God must first believe that he is. What's the indication and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, right? So what's the greatest indication that you are coming to him as he is? Is that you're coming to him as he says you are. If you come to him as he is, then you believe that you is who he says you is. That's how you know he is who he says he is. And you're coming to him as he is because you're coming to him as he says you is. Come on, somebody. This is not perfect English, but you get what I'm saying. The greatest measure of faith begins at the identity level. Christ saves you at the identity. He doesn't, you don't get to go to heaven because all of your sins are forgiven as much as you get to go to heaven because you're a child of God. And because, sorry, this is all that's coming off. Sorry to disappoint you ladies. No, okay, I'm sorry. I'm in trouble now. I'm gonna go over here. I will be talked about by that, because of that. Okay, talk to you about that. Okay, so... When you understand that, that you were saved at the identity level first, man. You're not who your daddy says you were. It's not who your mistakes say you are. You don't have all these post-its all over you with all these negative things that you've done in your life. They're gone and you are a highly favored, richly blessed, deeply loved child of God, my brother. That's what happened when you said yes to Jesus. Boom, it hit you. And that's who you are. And if you come to him from that place in your prayer life, Watch what happens. You're already favored. You're already blessed. That's who we are at the identity level. We've got to come to God based on who he says we are if we really believe that he, say, he is who he says he is. And so, so this mistaken identity is the biggest reason why we blow it in our life. All of our mistakes in our life can be traced back to mistaken identity. All of the mistakes in our life can be traced back to mistaken identity. Everything that you've ever done that is contrary to who God has called you to be is because you didn't believe that you are who he says you are. You could trace it back. The reason why, the reason why you had that affair, the reason why you did those drugs, the reason why you drink too much, the reason why you party too much, the reason why we do, when we get depressed, the reason why we're on opioids and we got to have a medical marijuana card, I guess it's legal all over now, but uh, that, that was back then. The reason why we have to have all of these outside comforters is because we don't have a revelation that we're complete, that we are who God says we are. And if we come to him that way, then life is different. You're free, man. You're liberated. It's good news. God loves you. He's not mad at you, man. Come on. Now, now, listen, guilt and shame, let me say it like this. Grace works best in a guilt and shame-free environment. And by grace, you're saved. And if you keep living with the, the repetition of your consideration of your imperfection, you're not going to get your prayers punching through heaven. Like, why is it, I'm all over the place today. Why is it that God, Al, 
put the treasure in an earthen vessel. It says so that he would get all the glory. Tom, you think the contradictions in your flesh trip out the treasure that's deposited in it? God worked into the deal a treasure to go in a contradiction skin suit. Why? So that when you are living, believing who God says you are in your skin suit, God gets all the glory because everybody knows how messed up Tom is. (laughs) The earthen vessel is a contradiction to the treasure. The treasure's perfect, righteous, holy, blameless. The earthen vessel, whatever. It weighs too much. It eats too much. Come on, somebody. It, it, it's trying to figure out how am I going to fast without fasting. Come on. I mean, it, it, it does all that stuff. All right. So when we're a- unable to cope, you guys okay? Okay. When you're unable to cope with your current position and we're starting where we are, In 21 days, I believe it's going to look different. But we're starting where we are. But when we're unable to cope with our current position in life, and when we're unable to find peace or make peace in our right now, this is where we're tempted to reach for numbing agents, mechanisms of medication that keep us, prevent us from the capability of grabbing a hold of and grasping our true selves and all that God has purchased for us on that cross our true identity in Christ. So instead of succumbing to, which means failing to resist the pressure of the temptation or some other negative force, instead of succumbing to that, to what's happening or not happening right now, we've got to attach our belief to the truth. How many know that God is true and he's truthful? He's true and he tells the truth that the Lord is in your right now. This is your beginning. This is where we start today. Tomorrow's the, the launch, and you, and you start in your right now. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is in your right now. His promises are right now. His miracles are in motion right now. His grace is right now. It may not look the way you want it to look right now, but all that you need for it to change and elevate and, and escalate is in your right now. Why? Because Christ is in you, and you're in him. And you can't, there's no force on earth that can hinder that or hold that, hold that back. So we've got to let the lack of peace that we might be experiencing here this morning uh, be the trigger that tells us to press into peace. Your lack of peace has got to be your alerting yourself to peace. So Jesus says this. And the reason why peace is so important is because peace is the platform from which we possess God's promise. We don't possess God's promise from panic. We can't have 21 days of panic and have have God answer our prayers, right? We've got to have peace. Peace comes from understanding who we are and whose we are. Now listen, Jesus said this, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. So don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid or fearful. Listen to me. God gives his peace, Jesus gives his peace different than the world gives their peace. The peace does, the world does have a peace, but it's not the way God gives it. God's peace is the result of your redemption. What makes Jesus' peace different than the world is that your peace is connected 
to your redemption. He said, this is why I'm leaving my peace with you. My peace is the fruit of your revelation of being righteous and being redeemed and being deeply loved, highly favored, richly blessed, a child of God. Just rest in that, man. Understand that. Okay, let me keep going. So our justification, our redemption, our righteousness is why we experience God's peace. Now let me keep going. So without exception, God's gifts are only good. James 1.17. God's gifts and their perfection cannot be improved upon. They came from above where we originate from, proceeding like light rays from its source, the father of light. Everybody say light. Now this is where I'm going to preach my message now. This is what I want you to get so we can launch into this. He's the father of light with whom there is no distortion or even a shadow of shifting to obstruct or intercept the light of the father. He doesn't have a hidden agenda. It's just light and it's bright light. So let's talk about this for a moment. He rescued us. Colossians 1.13. Jesus rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we've had redemption and the forgiveness of sin. So he rescued you and me from the dominion of darkness. This has everything to do with your prayer life. Darkness, for the sake of consideration, I want you to consider this. That darkness isn't the absence of light. It's the absence of understanding and knowledge. My people are destroyed not because of an absence of light. They're destroyed because of an absence of knowledge. So darkness, we got transferred out of ignorance. When Jesus got into yourself, into you, when you accepted him and you went into him and he came into you, that moment you stepped out of darkness into, uh, out of ignorance into understanding. Now watch this. So darkness is ignorance about grace. Ignorance about the work of the cross. Darkness is ignorance about our true identity. Darkness is calibrating to the senses ruled world. And everybody knows that faith doesn't always make sense to our senses. It's dominated by the law of performance. That's where darkness is. Light is knowledge and understanding. And so Jesus relocated us into the kingdom where the love of God did relocated us into the kingdom of his beloved son where love is where favor is, where answered prayer is. See, a darkened understanding veils the truth of our redeemed design from us. And what empowers darkness is the lie that we believe about ourselves. See, what we need to understand is that we were confused about who we are before Jesus came in and cleared it up. And so what we have to understand is that the devil only has power in the areas of our ignorance. I'm not talking about stupidity. I'm 
Talking about ignorance. Is the devil defeated? Yes or no? Yes. So why are we rebuking someone who's defeated? He only has power in the areas of your life where you don't understand who you are. If you don't understand you're deeply loved, man, highly favored, richly blessed, a child of God. If you don't understand that, the devil can tell you, you got to work harder, God's good, you're bad, try harder. When we pray from that place, God, you're good, I'm horrible, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm giving up seized candy for breakfast. I'm giving up, I'm giving up being angry. I'm going to forgive this year. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. Wait a minute. If you believe who you are, the power of unforgiveness is broken. If you believe who you are and whose you are, the power of doubt is obliterated. If you believe who you are, you don't have to live one more day sick and tired. If you believe who you are, you don't have to be worried about your children. You can rest in the fact that you're blessed and then let Jesus take care of the rest. Today, I want us to understand that when we launch into these next few nights, calibrating ourselves to what God has called us to do and what he wants to release into our life, I want you to come from the place of life, not dark. Amen? And so, I want to just finish with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Al, that isn't going to zero. It's going up. So what do I have to stop? 40? Soon? Yeah. Hence, Vander Clock. Okay, here we go. I get it. I get it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. I'm talking about light. I'm talking about understanding, breaking the power of ignorance about yourself. In whose case, the God of this world, the father of lies, the one who is in darkness, the one who wants to keep us ignorant about who we are, has blinded the minds of people who don't believe they are who God says they are. Why? So they may not see the light, which is understanding and knowledge of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. When you see the image of God, Jesus is not an example for you. He's an example of you. And when you see the image of God, you then see how God sees you. When we step into this reality... When you get out of guilt and shame and all this stuff, and then we come to the Father as loved kids, favored kids, blessed kids, real kids, our prayer life explodes. And when our prayer life explodes, people are attracted to us. And the gospel goes forward in a big way. I want us to do something right now. If I can have the piano player real quick. And can we stand real quick? And this is what I want us to do. I want you to close your eyes. And this is step number one to a three-step process that I want to address tonight.
today and then tomorrow. The first thing that I believe needs to take place is we got to get rid of all our guilt and our shame right here and right now. So will you close your eyes and will you say over your life that I'm deeply loved? You don't have to say it out loud. Just say that over your life. I'm deeply loved. Say over your life, I'm highly favored. Say over your life, I'm richly blessed. Say over your life, I am a child of God. Now let the power of guilt and shame be broken in Jesus' name in this place right here and right now. Some of you have been walking in guilt and shame for decades. In fact, if you're letting that go, will you just lift your hands? You don't have to, but if you're letting guilt and shame go out of your life, just lift your hands and give it to him. Just give it to him all over this building. I'm not walking in condemnation. I'm not walking in the shame of what happened, my upbringing, my mistakes. I'm, I'm starting 2018 with empowerment toward answered prayers all over this building. Lord, I break the power of shame, guilt, condemnation, personal grievances about ourselves. Lord, let us go into the rest of this month free and liberated believing believing and believing now grab someone's hand everybody touch somebody and look at me you're here today you're in the balcony you're on the floor and you're saying man I've been religious my whole life age but I I really didn't know that God loved me I was one of them guys that would come into church and be afraid that the ceiling was going to fall in because I, I have no business being in a holy place. How could God give his Holy Spirit to unholy people? How could he put his son inside, the spirit of his son inside of people that aren't already made righteous by his son? God can't put clean into dirty, so you must be clean because God puts Jesus in you, the spirit of Jesus. And you've been breaking yourself down and beating yourself up and walking in shame. And today, let this be the first day of the rest of your life. You're here today and you're saying, hey, I'm not right with God, man. I, I need Jesus. I need to ask him to forgive me, to heal me, to change me, to make me whole, to complete me. And even if nobody goes with me, I'm never going back to my old life. I want Jesus to forgive me of my sin, fill me with his Holy Spirit, and change the trajectory of my destiny. I want to be a Christian, a Christ follower. I want to know that I'm loved, favored, blessed, child of God. You're here today and you're saying, that's me, Hage. I want everyone to pray this prayer right now. Say, Jesus, today's my day. I'm not walking in ignorance or darkness for another minute. Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life. Change my life. Save my life.
take all the sin away take all the shame away take all the condemnation away take all the pain away and fill me with your love today and Lord even if nobody goes with me still I'm going to follow you after this moment I'm never going back to my old life my past is behind me my destiny awaits me in Jesus name